Hi, I'm Paul Hohen, and you're listening to a podcast where nostalgia comes alive. It's Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. Roll it. Welcome to Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, the podcast where nostalgia comes alive. Since July of 2021, Jake and his friends have interviewed professionals in the worlds of acting, directing, writing, puppeteering, and many more. Who will they be chatting with in this week's interview? Find out in this Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, when nostalgia comes alive. I'm your host, Jake Duffenbaum, and today's always our co-host, Chris Bixby and Matt Bingle. How you guys doing? We're good. Doing good. Hello, everybody. How you doing, Jakey? Doing great, as always. Thank you for asking. Chris, what do we have for today? Very excited for today's guest. He is a director. He direct. He currently directs uh, Sesame Street, but before that, he directed its spinoff, The Furchester Hotel. And he's also directed other shows such as the Teletubbies revival, Pajanimals, uh, a whole bunch of other things that we're going to talk about. And here he is, Jack Jameson. Jack, happy to have you here. Thank you for having me, guys. Nice to see you all. Yes. And thanks for see making you. the time difference Pleasure. work. Yeah. I appreciate of course. it. Of course. <laughs> of course. So to kick things off, um, in your own words, could you kind of uh, introduce yourself a bit and what you do? Sure. I'm... Uh, I'm Jack Jameson. I'm a television director and I specialize in, I guess, kids and family TV and have done for the last 20 odd years. Um, starting in the Jim Henson Company and in about 2000 and working my way through to now, yeah, directing Sesame Street and various nice. other shows. But very much in this kids and family space, if you like. Nice. Very well. So what was your background like and how did you grow up? Um, I grew up with parents in the business. So I grew up in the, th- my, both my parents were in the theatre. They met, they met in the theatre in the UK at the National Theatre. My father was an actor. My mother was a stage manager. So that kind of, I think growing up in that environment where you were you going to the shows a lot. My dad was travelling, acting and things like that. And then when I think when I was about five, my dad became a play school presenter. And for probably your listeners don't know, but Play School was a big show here, certainly in the 70s and the 80s, kids sort of show on TV here. So he was a Play School presenter presenter. every year. We went along and saw him in pantomime, um, which, again, big UK tradition at Christmas. Um, So I kind of I guess I grew up in that environment and then. And it sort of seeps into you, I think, probably in the nicest possible way. And I wanted to be an actor when I was um, at college. And luckily realised early on that that wasn't the best route for me. So started exploring other avenues. Um, And that's kind of where I ended up starting out when I was about 18, 19 as a applying for jobs as a runner. And it went from there, really. Nice. Awesome. Um, How did you get into directing? I had, you know... I was working as a floor assistant. The first show I did in the UK was a show called, uh, oh, now I want to get this right because I get um, The Hoobs. Which oh, was, yeah. Oh, yeah, Hoobs, you know, yeah. Hoobs? Uh-huh. Yes. yeah. I was a floor assistant on The Hoobs, and that was when Henson's oh. had a, they had a uh, office over here in the UK in Camden, and I applied for a job, again, as a floor assistant. They said, yeah, did the interview went well come along i lived in the south of england it was in boreham wood which was 
north London or north of London. And I packed up my bags, got my car all filled up. I think I was about 19, 20. Drove up for my first day of work, went in, and everyone in the office sort of looked at me. And the person that hired me was no longer there. So I was like, oh, well. ah. So mm. I was like, are they going to honour this? And they said, yeah, hang around. And I did. And they said, we'll honour it for three months. And I did three months. And they said, oh, stay on. And I kind of basically stayed there for a year. Now, in that year, they and I was at this time as a floor assistant. I didn't know what I wanted to do. They a they ran a Henson workshop, puppeteering workshop. And it was a five day workshop. And if you did this workshop after you did the first three days and you went on and did the other two days and they very kindly said, I could do it. I was about 21 and I've been assisting. So I've been doing left and right hands on the show um, for various at various times. And I did the first three days and <laughs> Pete Coogan at the time, who was the exec producer, took me aside when I was there and I said, and he said, mm, you should think about directing, which I think was his way of saying, definitely don't puppeteer but a very nice <laughs> way of him saying maybe you should explore other avenues and that was the first time I really thought you know what I do want to explore that and I left there went to the BBC did various other things prop making and floor assisting but whilst I was at the BBC there was an opportunity for a trainee director and that was on a show called Chuckle Vision which if you mm -hmm. don't if you don't know Chuckle Vision it's slapstick comedy basically it's it's basically two characters like lauren hardy slapstick any situation they make a hash of it and i got a, a um a trainee director job on that and i did the first se season i did two shows then i did four and then eventually i did the series and that's kind of where i cut my teeth as a director really learning the learning the ropes which was great because they're two pros and you don't have to tell them what to do definitely so, absolutely you could right. learn everything else right so yeah so now before uh directing on sesame street we mentioned in your introduction you directed it's a uk spinoff the furchester hotel how'd you begin working on that i did i mean i go in a way it goes back to when i did chuckle vision i was at the bbc at cbbc CBBC, bbc i think it was just the bbc and they were making a lot uh, making a lot of kid co kids content and they started to make a show called nuzzle and scratch at the time and the exec producer was tony reed and i and i knew tony from elstree i think from henson's and he got me in to do that and i think at the time it was like well jack directs and he's worked with puppets before let's get him to do that which was great so i went and did that show and from that i ended up working on various puppet shows over here in the uk um and i think the main connection for furchester was tony reed who was like and he he went on to exec furchester and by that point i'd done i'd already done pajanimals and various other things so obviously when furchester came on my radar i sort of jumped at the opportunity if you like probably chased them for the job if anything <laughs> i was like let me at it and they yeah. showed me the plans i mean when when the ambition of the plans it was up in manchester you know this incredible set um and the catalogue of cat characters that are going to bring over from sesame street that they give you the bible of the bible of characters from the muppet workshop and i was like well i have to get i have to get involved in that mm. there hadn't been anything like it really in the uk as far as puppet because like sesame street hadn't played here since i think 
I think the Hoops was meant to replace Sesame Street in the UK, but there was always a snobbery in the UK towards Sesame Street, weirdly. Um, but they stopped airing it, I think, mid-90s or somewhere around 97, 98, mm. something like that. Um, mm. But everyone was aware of the characters, obviously Elmo and Cookie and things like that. People know the characters, but they didn't they didn't know um, didn't know Sesame as well at that point. You know, mm. I did. I grew up with Sesame. You know, we nice. were still on when I was a, when I was a kid. It was still on. You'd sit and watch it. You know, you'd take the you'd try and take a day off school so you could watch it. But for but that went off air. I think yeah, about ninety eight something like that. Mm. Somewhere around then, yeah. Mm. Definitely. You can't imagine that, can you? I mean, a, a world without Sesame Street, where they take that off air. I know, it's yeah. Not, it's not right. right. Oh. Yeah. It wouldn't, wouldn't be right. No, it wouldn't. So, no. Yeah. So then, so yeah, I ended up, there was, um, I think it was two directors over here. And then, and obviously it was UK crew, UK, um, uh, mainly UK cast, but Obviously, they brought over um, uh, Ryan came over with Elmo. Uh, David came over with Cookie. Met those guys for the first time. Obviously, worked with writers and producers from Sesame, and really, you know, hit it off. I think for that. I mean, it was about a year. I can't remember how long it was. It was a long time making that, making that show, and learning from them the way they do things compared to how we do things over here. Obviously, there are differences, but they kind of they merge quite quickly, and it was incredible. Yeah, incredible experience. You know, and a show I'm very proud of. Definitely. Awesome. So, um, do you have any favorite episodes you directed for the Furchester Hotel? I think, I, I, you know, I think for me, one I can't remember the names of them. I think there was one about um counting chickens, and I think the thing I loved about that was the fact that they were Muppet chickens. Now, as a kid growing up. It was always the chickens that came into a scene it was like, you know, bring any scene alive with a load of chickens. <laughs> so for, when they put when the, when the uh, Wranglers brought out these chickens, I kind of freaked out. I was like, that is too good. So, yeah, I think it was counting Elmer going around counting chickens. And, and I'd just try and get a chicken in every shot, essentially, from that moment on, because I was like, yeah, Muppet chickens, nothing better than that. That probably. And there was one about um, don't eat the guests, which was a. a, a a cookie character coming to stay and cookie monster obviously wanting to eat it so i think just the setup on that you know anything with cookie is i'm i'm i love definitely and talk talk about the furchester hotel we actually uh previously interviewed louise gold oh fantastic louise yeah oh yeah she was and really she's incredible she's incredible i remember meeting her for the first time yeah on on furchester and she basically that character was her she brought that you know that yeah. character to, to life so brilliantly she was yeah. great fun. they were great fun great cast yeah and ryan dylan he's a previous guest too we've interviewed him and you know i have to thank ryan really um a lot he was very integral to getting me over to the states onto sesame street i think working with ryan working with david i think having having a good relation working relationship with them definitely Help me make that transition over to um, to to Sesame Street itself, without a doubt. Mm, you know. Definitely, they yeah, didn't go. Like... Oh no, don't go near him. They were very kind, so I think that's probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was probably that's... it. 
So speaking of Sesame Street, what was the transition like moving from the Furchester Hotel to Sesame Street? I try to think it was quite, I think it was quite a while after the Furchester. And I think I was, that it happened. And it was, I I think that um, Dion, who was one of the execs on the Furchester, she was back at Sesame Street. And the BBC had contacted me and said, look, we're doing another season of Sesame. Would you like to come and do it? But the thing about, and it sounds mad, but, that was filmed in Manchester and I live in Brighton which is like five hours five six hours away and we just had our first child and they were like could you come and do it and I said I'd love to do it but I've committed I'm you know I've got a newborn baby I'm staying at home I can't go away for eight months you know and then Dion phoned me and said is it is there anything we can do is it you know we'd love you to do it and I said look quite honestly it's because I've got a baby and I really don't want to travel for eight months away you know and then she said Ooh, what if you did Sesame Street in New York? I said, right, that's fine. I'll leave the baby. I'm coming. So <laughs> it was like, it was a very easy decision. No, it was, um, she basically, was, uh, she was the first one that sort of raised it. And we talked about it for a while and obviously excited me, the, the prospect. And then it all went quiet, I think. So I, look, I remember it like this, whether this is totally true, they were talking about it. it all went quiet so i booked a flight to new york my wife said you just got to go out so i booked a cheap flight and went out and i think when i and then sent a casual email saying i just so happened to be in new york in these dates which were the exact that you know i'd obviously flown myself out and went and met everyone on set um and started having those discussions and then it became a reality and i think for anyone you know when you first step onto that set it's mind-blowing it's kind of overwhelming you know it's like yeah yeah it's there's nothing like it shows don't exist like it studios don't run in that way anymore you know so i think um from a nostalgia point of view it has a sense of nostalgia i think even if you didn't know if you'd if you'd never knew sesame street or never understood sesame street but you stood on that set i think you'd have a sense of nostalgia and the feeling that something special is happening there and that's a you can't put your finger on it and that's a really weird but amazing thing and i think that's probably how i describe that first sort of feeling of being on that set if you like and then when it came the transition to actually working was probably it went through sort of peaks and troughs of fear elation um disbelief um and then once i was actually up and running just pure uh adrenaline and enjoyment if you like um i think it's an amazing place to work people are you know hugely giving and open and all of that so that obviously helps so yeah and um, weird 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 experience to you know transition into right yeah so before getting to work on it what was your familiarity with sesame well I, i grew up with it so i grew up it was a show that i watched um regularly it was on for an hour every morning weekday morning so i'd watch it this is before i went to school so i was in preschool at that point and i would watch it so i so character wise was were familiar um look bert and ernie for me growing up hilarious my stepfather as well is grew up in um in san francisco so he used to bring us back um 
like uh, uh, little hand puppets and things like that, Bernoulli and um, Grover. And so we had that sort of connection as kids, if you like. So I grew up watching it, had that connection with the characters. But then, as I said, it went off air. And so I, I didn't know all the newer characters, if you like. So there's a lot of characters that I wasn't aware of. For me, it was definitely Burton Early, The Count, Big Bird, Snuffy, you know, uh, the cla those classic core characters from 30, 35 years ago when I watched it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I did, I, I mean, obviously, I watched a lot of YouTube, you know. Yeah. Once, once mm -hmm. I was like, well, once you sort of promise you can do something, then you watch a lot, you know, and mm -hmm. you get familiar quickly if you like mm -hmm. so that was probably the main that was the main thing you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah. yeah i think for me like burton ernie you know i think that was as i said about like burton ernie for me were like you know then i was starstruck when i met them uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know. who wouldn't be right, right. yeah who wouldn't be who wouldn't be <laughs> so and I go when I go out there when I was doing Sesame. I said, joking aside, I said, "Oh, I can't be away from my family yet." Went to New York. I would only go out for I only go I only go out for a week at a time. Mm -hmm. So, if I'm doing, you know, the maximum I've done is like three weeks at a time, probably. So it's mm -hmm. not huge, huge length of time that I'm away, you know. And my son at the time, my eldest, was really small, and he used to just send video voice messages to Elmo, and Elmo would respond. You know, and record Aww. messages back. Uh, I mean, you know, Aww. that's like not many kids get that. You know? No, 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 yeah. Know. yeah. That was incredible. You know, you'd be on set, you go right. Uh, I'd say to Ryan, or you know, can you do a message for Ray? And he'd like, you know, but being a my son was two or something at the time, we'd just ask Elmo like, "What have you had for breakfast?" And they'd discuss porridge. You know, that was it. That was great. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, big big insights, you know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Really yeah. big insights. Yeah. So similarity, are there any favorite episodes you directed for Sesame? I think I think favorite episode wise, probably Four Seasons because it was the first one I did, mm. and it was a big challenge. And that was Grover changing the seasons by sneezing. So we went through oh. every season in one episode. And those street stories, I think they were 10 or 11 minutes long, filmed in one day. So we had the whole street changing from fall to snow dumps to spring all the way through the episode. So I think that for me, probably. And again, Grover being a core character that I remember so well, you know, as a kid. I know. Yeah. And you get to direct him now. You like... get to direct him. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, ask Grover to do something is amazing, you know. Absolutely. So, who who are some of your uh, favorite characters to direct? I think let's say, I mean, from a directing point of view, I think look, I for me, Cookie. As soon as I go on set, I see Cookie, I laugh. Right. I think that the the simplicity, and I mean this in a good way, of that character and his want is just genius. Um, I think um, uh, another one, Bert and Ernie, when I, I think I had a sort of out-of-body experience watching the first time I had to do, they were like, oh, can you, we need to re-record Rubber Ducky. And I directed Rubber Ducky. 
and I didn't really uh -huh. direct it. I just said, there's the camera and then just sat back and watched as they did rubber ducky. And that for me again, was a bit, that took me back to being four years old, you know, sat cross-legged uh -huh. on the, on the, you know, on the floor watching uh, Bert and Ernie. So I think there was a, a definite thing there. I think, um, one thing, I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, I love directing more, but, and I mean that in the sense that all the performers give so much and they all give different things. And when you're on this floor, it's, it's very, very playful. So everyone brings a ray game. Everyone brings another idea. Everyone brings something to the party. And the best things probably are when you've got lots of performers, right? And yeah. everyone's coming at you with like, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And it's all that's doing is, is, layering it up making it better and better all the time if you like so i like though i like those things and i like watching how people get their enjoyment out of it you know i mean someone who does that leslie brilliantly is abby you know i remember working oh, with her for the first yes. time and i'd never you know and working with her for the first time and she's like yeah but we could do it like you know and just layering up all the time and i think that's that's the enjoyment for me you know definitely yeah leslie's a previous guest of ours absolutely love her yes, oh, yes. but i said i actually i said to myself i won't name anyone because i'd have to go through right. everyone you know <laughs> yeah. i'd have to yeah. go through all of them the question is is there any are there any muppets you don't like directing no that's as <laughs> simple as that none of them are there any characters no no none of them oh you know who i like to try and get in shot two-headed all the time always want two-headed in the back oh, Again, oh yeah yes yeah, monster, when I get yeah. characters that just make me laugh, right? Absolutely, <laughs> two-headed monster is a really funny character. Yeah, two-headed. Ryan is my, um, and here's the thing: is my sesame oracle. So, like, if I don't know a character or I've missed a few seasons, he can help me out. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah and that's really good. That's really good, especially when doing something like the fiftieth or something like that. He's there going, yeah, but they did this. And that I love that. I love that knowledge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So through mm -hmm. Sesame Street, you have a chance to direct some of their specials. One being when you wish upon a pickle. What was it like working on that? I mean, amazing. I mean, that was, that was amazing in the sense that to be asked to do a special, you know, um, for Sesame. I love that because usually with a street story you're in for a day and then you're out and on or onto the next street story with that i think we were in the studio five five days something like that five or six days i can't quite remember but that was great because it felt like we were really making something you know to have a longer narrative i think it was about a 45 to an hour long a longer narrative and be able to spend some more time on it if you like it was great um and slightly off curriculum as well which was good so it's not the same curriculum for the specials you know that there's a slightly different audience i could be wrong on that but it felt like there was a slightly different audience i think probably people do tune into those specials for a little bit more nostalgia especially the 50th but yeah when you wish upon a pickle was um uh amanda seafraid amazing blake lively all these people coming on was just like wow so yeah ex extraordinary experience you know yeah, i felt very very fortunate very fortunate nice yeah oh, terrific so going back you also got to direct the big 50th anniversary special sesame street's 50th anniversary celebration yeah what was it like getting to direct a special celebrating such a huge milestone 
Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it felt like a huge responsibility and I don't, I didn't take it lightly. I mean that, I mean, it was like, you know, that's your holding people's memories, you know, and um, in your hand. And it felt like it needed to be treated respectfully and carefully, you know, and hopefully I did my due diligence with fine, as I said, people like Ryan as well at those points really helped me out. And one thing I did at that point was listen hopefully listen to what others were trying to bring to it um, to sort of navigate our way through it. I mean, look, it was a great script. It was a great story as well. Um, So that helped. But the nice thing about it was there were some great breakout moments, you know, of just some great music numbers. I mean, we had all the old, um, all the past um, presenters coming back, you know, all the the past humans coming back. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, crazy all sat all around a piano singing so a lot of what i had to do was stand back and let people get to see each other for the first time in a few years so that was really nice as well it was very emotional at times as well as you can imagine mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and then this and then the set closed down oh that was right and the uh and and um uh posters went up because kermit was there and i've never experienced that there's a there was a first directing kermit and suddenly the, the 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 sort of mood on the set changed as Kermit arrived, and that was great. You know, Absolutely. oh yeah. You always know there's a big guest because exec producers come down, you know, and you've got Kermit. That was a great moment. Yeah, I know. Oh. Yeah, because Kermit hadn't been on Sesame Street for years, so I'm really time, really probably. happy that they brought him back for that. It was fantastic yeah. and a great song to do as well. Yeah. Know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Classic song. Mm-hmm. Classic song. And, and that was a really, yeah, it was a really, that was a really special moment. And I think also a lot of my memories of that show are actually sitting back and watching the reaction of everyone else, if you like. Mm-hmm. And, and those, those were the really cool things watching uh, people watch Patty LaBelle. You know, there's an right. amazing thing watching these things just take place in front of you. You know, you suddenly got, um, you got Whoopi Goldberg on set again. And, people are having a lot of a lot of the performers and the and the and the crew you know are probably going back 30 40 years when when they last had this moment you know and that was really special yeah so so yeah so yeah amazing amazing thing to do you know oh yes it's amazing special yes and hopefully hopefully we got you know i I think we got a a great result you know Oh, oh absolutely. absolutely yes and jo- uh, Jose- joseph sorry joseph uh, gordon levitt was what well, he was a riot i mean he was with us i think for two or three days and he brought his kids down and they had a great a great few days as well he brought so much to that show oh, absolutely yeah uh, and yeah. again huge hugely respectful of the performers and the muppets and you know all of that oh hmm. uh, great so- so do you have any favorite celebrity guests you've got to direct on the show? It's really, it's really difficult. I always, my wife always jokes that I don't know who anyone is. So when I first started um, directing, it was always in a production meeting, you'd always, I'd always hope that someone would email me with who the celebrity is going to be so that I could Google them quickly. Because uh-huh. otherwise, I had to look really pleased and then Google them whilst talking to someone on Zoom. So, like, my wife was like, "Who have you got?" And I was like, "John Legend," and she was like, "John Legend." 
And I was like, yeah, what does he do? I was like, whoa. Obviously, I Googled him and knew him straight away. But like, I think he was the first celebrity I directed. Mm. He was, and ah. he was incredible, you know. Um, he just walked on, sat with uh, the grand piano and sang with Elmo. Um, I, I think he did like three takes perfectly. And oh. there it was. And I was like, right, there's the magic of, of Sesame, really. Um, of course. Mm-hmm. I think often it's quite funny. I quite like it when there's UK guests, just because obviously being British on set and having the accent, I'm the only one. And then there'll be a, a another like there'll be a British celebrity. Like so, when we did Elvis Costello for the fiftieth, and obviously oh, yeah. there's a sort of you know uh they're two Brits. They come together, and then I sort of stood there awkwardly for twenty minutes trying to talk about football because I know nothing about football. But he's a massive football fan. So you kind of end up in these sort of weird situations where you're like, so I think, um, um, God, yeah, Elvis Costello, Elvis was amazing. Elvis Costello was amazing. John Legend, I think, again, first celebrity guest. So for me, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was like working with a. He was that was an amazing thing because that was more than just a celebrity spot. That was like a show. Him and Amanda were like we spent a few days together doing a whole show so that was really nice you know i don't even think of that as that sort of celebrity thing if you like mm. um, but yeah very lucky to work with these these sort of, of having you know had quite a few people to work with that you go that you admire and then there you are and they're different i think working with them on sesame street is is interesting because they're often completely in awe. i'm sure you've heard this before completely in awe themselves and having the best day of their life Yes. You know. mm-hmm. So it's often a dream. It's a, it's often like uh, an ambition of theirs to actually do it themselves. So you feel like you're helping them as well. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. So over the years, you've won several awards for your directing work on Sesame Street. How does that feel? You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, awful. Uh, no, <laughs> we look. It's obviously it's a amazing thing to, to to get, and I, you know, and I share those awards with the entire team. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's what those are. I think, and I think, um, I think any award and any kind of is always is always nice. Of course, it feels good. But at the same time, you go, look, you don't do any of this alone. You do it with a huge team behind you. You know, it's those performers getting up every day and doing what they do and bringing to it. It's that crew. It's people getting behind the show and the love behind it. That's what creates those things, you know. So that's what I'm, I mean, to be honest, yeah, I'm obviously I'm proud of the awards. And if they get me a few extra jobs, woohoo. Um, and, you know, hopefully the, Kids can take them and go and brag to all the other kids at school. That's brilliant. They're really for other people to do that. That's perfect. But um, I think, yeah, I'm, yeah, no, no, of course, I'm massively proud of it. You know, um, but you know that, yeah, they are, they are. Uh, I've got it there. Look, yeah, yeah. Coats. it's behind me. Oh, you know. yeah. that's an Emmy. Oh, right there. Because oh. I like to just put it subtly in the back of my Zoom video so that people may just notice it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
but then I, you didn't have to point it out. So yeah, no, they mean they, of course they, no, of course they mean it. No, they mean a lot. Um, and I think when we when I got the well, we got the fiftieth, we got a DGA award, Directors Guild award for the fiftieth. Um, oh nice. That, hmm. that obviously meant a huge amount because being went to LA to collect the award and we won it which was extraordinary but again the thing that kept coming back was you know this this is a room full of a-list celebrities and amazing directors and producers and all these people from the industry what an icebreaker straight away they come up to you and tell you all their favorite sesame moments talk about sesame street all of that kind of stuff and it just sort of opened that you know knock down barriers it was really nice so that's what it's about you know i think people were you know definitely voting for the show so that's lovely of course so so you also uh directed another sesame spinoff the not too late show with elmo in its first season can you talk a bit yes. about that yes yeah i mean that yeah that i thought as soon as i i was told the concept of that i was like oh that's too good you know that's too good and i did i'm trying to think when we did the, god i think that was just before lockdown so i go my mind goes fuzzy back then but it was um yeah i mean we had great set loads of um brilliant guests lil naz coming on dressed oh in yeah 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 plastic in plastic was just genius um it had a different vibe it had a really good vibe to it, it had a different vibe it still had the curriculum it still had the um uh, the sesame vibe but it had it sort of this unique sort of energy to it you know um maybe a bit more irreverent it was very fun it was very funny yeah little little nas in his um like doing in his um what do you call it but you know like the, the it was like packing plastic it was brilliant um um and that was that was right we had um jonathan van ness was on and i didn't get to direct him but as directors we were kind of like in on similar days i might be doing something in the afternoon i think with the other director in the morning and i just went around trying to get photos with jonathan van ness to show my wife so i had a great time definitely yeah there, there are a lot of good celebrity guests on that show like the jonas brothers were on oh yes yeah, yep. yeah. Jonas brothers are on because i, I, I was a huge to... fan of the jonas brothers growing up yeah i didn't get to direct them i was i was annoyed so i was like but i think with that show it was like i just hang around and try and meet people and see what's going on you know and it was the house band as well wasn't it there was the house band in that which were brilliant you know mm. it, had, it had quite a muppety vibe you know yeah yeah definitely definitely but yeah that was the i think that was my last trip out before lockdown mm. and then it all went quiet for 18 months something like that it was something like that or a year i can't remember yeah definitely so moving on from sesame you've also directed another puppetry show pajanimals what was that like pajanimals brilliant yes that was the first since that was the first show i'd done for the jim henson Company for henson's since i'd worked with them as a floor assistant so that meant a lot going back to do that sort of returning to henson's if you like as a director not a floor assistant and definitely not as a puppeteer so that was like that was a, a big deal for me. That was shot in uh Belfast in Northern Ireland. Oh wow, oh, wow um, nice. Yeah. In a warehouse in Northern Ireland. 
and I think I can't remember how many we made. It was a lot because I think I was on. I just done, I made a show out in Northern Ireland called Big and Small, which was again a puppet show, Canadian based, I think, puppet show. We'd done that in Belfast, and then Pajanimals came in, and I think I rolled from one into the next. So I was in Belfast for about two years, I think, on these on and off on these puppet shows. And Pajanimals was brilliant. We had uh, Victor Yerid came over, uh, uh, Donna Kimball yeah. from both Donna and Victor came over and joined the UK puppeteers over here. Um, and that was that was a great show. That was a lot of fun because we were starting it up. We had, you know, we had a, a lot of freedom to do what we wanted to do with it as far as the different lands, the different characters. Mm. Um, the performers that we had there played all the different um, performers. So we just, we had, we had a blast, I think. We had a, basically just ran riot for a year or whatever it was on set. It was great. <laughs> but in, in Belfast, making an American show, it was for, it was kind of, I don't think, did they do it? I can't remember if it was American accents or not if the characters are American or they yeah they were yeah they were yeah yes so they were and that and there's something kind of funny about when you do it and there's not huge differences but there are differences you know and I know that you know certainly the holidays that are celebrated and the and there's certain things that are different and we were doing that in Belfast there's something I don't know it's it it was kind of fun you know definitely yeah but Jan was that's amazing I remember growing up yes Same. Did you grow? Did you grow up with Pajana? No, you didn't grow up. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. on. Yeah. It was on. It was on a Sprout in the U.S. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because then I because Sprout Sprout was um, I've got to try to think who. Yeah, because Sprout started. They started on that. That went to Sprout. I'd forgotten that that was Sprout because that was NBC, wasn't it? Or they bought um, yeah, Sprout. yeah, and that was yeah, yeah. I remember, and Hugh Martin was the other director on that. So it was myself and Hugh Martin, and he was American director. So he came over to do Pajanimals, and we at the weekends just went and explored the north coast of Ireland. It was brilliant. Nice. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, all the Pajanimals drank Guinness. It was like <laughs> it was a brilliant. It was a brilliant thing to do, mm-hmm. you know. But you know, there was a lot of um, there was a lot. It was a really lovely crew, and there's a lot of love for that show, you know. And yeah. it was nice that it. Got, I think it got two seasons. It was really nice yeah. that it went. It went away for a bit. We had a rest, and we came back, and everyone was back together. And I think all the crew. I can't remember. I think pretty much ninety five percent of the crew came back, which is great. Nice. You also directed another uh, Sprout show, the Chica show. What, what was that like? Yeah. So that was actually that came from doing Pajanimals with Hugh Martin, as I said, was the other director. And wow. he was doing, he did Chica, and that was shot in Philadelphia, and in, in just outside Philly. And they asked me to go over and do that, I'm trying to think, to 20, 2013, I think, somewhere, somewhere around there. And that was the first show I'd done in the States. So I went over to do that for the first time. And uh, that was, yeah, extraordinary, like, Studio just outside Philly, um, Chica show if it, it, like shot like a sitcom, three cameras, um, chicken character and humans as well. And again, what? Yeah, great, yeah, great fun, you know. Uh, John Kennedy was on that. Who oh, yeah. is one of the? 
from yeah the, he's one of our previous you know, guests too yeah you know john yeah so i met yeah. john for the first time on that in fact then my wife came this is 2012 so long before sesame street and we actually went ended up doing a little tour up the coast we visited sesame street and john kennedy kept said to me he said you've got to go and introduce yourself go and introduce yourself oh, i can't i can't and i didn't but I, it was really nice being on sesame that was the first time i've been on the street and my wife and i met people you know um for the first time but as as guests so which is quite nice to do yeah, and it's interesting that John Candy was actually the Apollo for just for the short series for Janimal. Yes, and we've discussed this. It was always he was. It was always a shame for him, obviously, because we've discussed. I didn't when I met uh, uh, Johnny. I didn't know that, and he was like, "Yeah," because they made the shorts, didn't they, originally? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And then Mike Windsor became um, Apollo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So another iconic children's series you directed was the Teletubbies revival. Can you talk about what it's like, you know, directing a continuation of such a popular kids show? I, yeah, it's, it's again, it's that sort of you want to change it, but not too much. Right. Protect all the right bits, if you like, or hope to protect all the right bits. Um, and that was very much they wanted to maintain the kind of tactile nature of the Teletubbies, if you like, that appeal that they have, um, but bring it, but to modernise it. So we ended up shooting it on a blue screen with plate shots from a model and bringing those two things together. So you kind of gave it a new look, if you like. But yeah, I think, I think for me, it was kind of mad to direct Teletubbies because how do you, again, I had to watch a lot of Teletubbies. <laughs> Obviously, anyone I meet goes, well, you know, what did you say to a Teletubby? They just run around, don't they? And <laughs> how do you write for a Teletubby? They just, you know, you don't need to write a script, do you? It's amazing how much work goes into directing and writing about a Teletubby, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it was um, protecting it as a brand, I would say, as characters and what. And you then you are messing with people's nostalgia, you know. Um, uh, or what people think they remember. But I think the majority of it was successful. I think it was updated enough. We had parents, I definitely had parents say they'd grown up in Teletubbies and they were now watching it and they didn't know the difference. I mean, I don't think people, it was, it was, it was similar enough that people just went, oh, we're still watching the Teletubbies. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. But it, I think it was, it was on the right level if you like definitely so, so but yeah i think it's that kind of treating anything with respect and going who are you gonna who are you you've got to look after it for the right people if you like but you have got an entirely new audience so mm-hmm. you need to uh, right it right. is that audience is refreshed every two years so they need to you you know you can get away with a lot right but that was, I think we did, I mean, again, we did a hundred episodes or something like that. Um, I think my, I remember it because my first child was born and I was deliriously tired um, and getting onto set surrounded by seven foot Teletubbies on a blue background was kind of like <laughs> enough to wake you, like, <laughs> wake you up every morning. <laughs> you know, I've got photos of my son um as a baby in my arms on the set of Teletubbies and his face is just like oh my god what is going on 
That's huge. They are, it, yeah. It, they're huge. They're huge. And I, I directed it, and it still surprises me. That I, know I've seven, seen, uh, I know. I've seen photos of, uh, like, behind-the-scenes photos of the original iteration yeah. of the Teletubbies. And, oh, my gosh. Like, Tinky Winky, the purple one, he is, he's, like, 10 feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Almost, like... yeah. 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 And they've got really bad. They're not great at seeing where they're going as well. So they're kind of, like, at speed, quite dangerous. You know? <laughs> there was a lot of, like, you know, and I'd have a... Um, a mic so i could talk directly into their ear um so that's i mean a lot of the directing was basically talking directly into their ear and you'd go right turn you know i'd try and count them oh yeah i try to think back oh no i'd be like you know the trumpet that comes up and things like that i'd yeah, do yeah. that voice yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, nice. i would be the narrator to them and they'd sort of respond at me to camera and i'd be looking at the monitor and narrating to the teletubbies what i mean what a brilliant job and you could basically say anything and they'd do it it was great. Okay. And they'd follow each other. But you had to also remember to tell them to stop because you've got four very heavy seven foot things with lots of animatronics in their head bumping into stuff. Right. I, I didn't always remember. Yeah. And then in the and and, and we did update it because we then got we built a Teletubby playground, which was like a big slide that went into a ball pit and a uh-huh. seesaw, and they went on a trampoline and flew up in the air and things. But what was great is we, even though it was all blue screen, we did actually build those things. So we did have a massive slide and the balls were like, I don't know, like massive beach balls. So, um, yeah, just before the Teletubbies would come in, I'd go down the slide. It was brilliant. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh. oh, that's that's great. So you also directed some other shows for CBBS such as Topsy and Tim and Waffle the Wonder Dog. Yeah. Now, for our American viewers, would you kind of firstly describe what CBeebies is, and then could you talk about those shows that you did? Sure. So the BBC um, has two channels, CBeebies and CBBC, and they are two channels that basically cater for two age groups. And CBeebies is your preschool. And I think that is one to five, one to six, uh, zero to six, something around there. The lines get a little blurred, but pre- generally preschool. So they're they're aimed at a younger audience on that channel. And um, it's free to view. So um, it's probably, I don't quote me, but probably one of the most viewed kids channels over here. Um, it's also seen as a very safe place put your kids in front of if you like so there's no commercial breaks the content is very much sort of regulated so it's a a good place to put your kids in front of you know and you can be happy and Topsy and Tim they're both Topsy and Tim and Waffle both made by Daryl McQueen brilliant company that I've done lots of work for including the remake of Teletubbies um, and more recently um, Lovely Little Farm for Apple TV they made all of those shows and Topsy and Tim and Waffle are both um, live action shows. So uh, no puppets, all people, all humans walking around. And Topsy and Tim was the first sort of preschool drama, if you like. Um, mm-hmm. So there was there was a, a narrative arc as well as an episodic arc. Um, the problems for a preschooler is probably not, not your sort of things you get in EastEnders, but like, oh, I don't know. I can't remember what the 
the things were like you know mummy's not letting us um uh, I, I don't know i didn't win the games at the party you know so they're big they're big world problems for that age group if you like and these were really young kids that we were filming with and um and then waffle the wonder dog is again it follows a family and they they adopt a dog that moves in with them that um uh talks <laughs> so yeah so i guess there was a bit of yeah so real dog filming real dogs there which is good. Wow. Right, so I've, I vaguely remember watching Topsy and Tim because I aired on Sprout for a little bit over here too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it did. And it was yeah. like, again, I think it's one of those shows that people remember. It was it was very much, you. it felt very much like you were in the action. It was completely child-centric. We followed those kids. We didn't rehearse them, um, really. We'd uh, work the narrative, and they took you where they wanted to go, if you like, with, with you know, with um, with some limitations. But the idea right. was that, from a child's perspective, you were very much experiencing experiencing it from that perspective, and it kind of worked in that sense, if you like. Yeah. So, what would you like to say to those who have been supporting the projects you worked on over the years? Uh, a massive thank you. I mean, look to put your trust in me is um the main thing that i appreciate obviously i think also any career you don't get through without the kindness of others and i mean that in opening up opportunities you know um seeing having the faith to go you know what we'll give him a go on it he likes he seems to be the person to tell a seven foot telly tubby what to do someone has had to make that decision <laughs> yeah and i appreciate it yeah uh, it's definitely. a thank you, you know, because it's a strange old, it's a strange old path that we, you know, you end up taking, isn't it? And a story that you end up a part of. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And that is down to the people that go, you know what? I think I think he should have a go at that. Well, so thank you. Definitely. So, <laughs> if, pe if people would like to connect with you, where can people find you? Uh, that is a good question because I'm rubbish at doing social. I do have a, uh, what's the Instagram? I do have an Instagram. For some reason, I've become corporate and I like LinkedIn. Is that really bad? Quite like LinkedIn. Oh. Yeah, that's no. No, no, I, like I do LinkedIn. I've got a website, but it's just a holding page. So it's not very communicative because you just get, you just send an email. You send an email. But I quite like, I've got Instagram and I like LinkedIn. And I nice. like giving people thumbs up on LinkedIn. That's why that's the those are the only social sort of places I go, probably. You know. Nice. Because nice. I, I don't have the staying power for any of, of the other stuff. Right. Yeah, I could understand that. I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. yeah. Um so since we're about to wrap up, the last question that uh Matt's about I'm to about. ask is the question that we ask all of our guests at the end. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so of course this podcast is called Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. When you think of nostalgia, what do you think of? Or in your own words, how would you define the word nostalgia? Wow, that's a good but tricky question. Um, because I think, I was trying to think, you know, when I was last nostalgic, when did I last have that sense of nostalgia? And it probably goes back to that moment on Sesame Street the first time I was directing on the street. Every time I go there, I feel nostalgic. And I don't know why. 
I don't know why. I think maybe it's a it's a sense of safety. It's a feeling of safety and comfort. And I think nostalgia is for me safety, comfort, risk free. There's something kind of yeah safe about it you know and i think you feel yeah. you know you feel settled in that place and that's probably nostalgia and that's probably why we like it you, for me it takes you back to those places that you feel most at ease no vulnerability and i think that's that's probably where i'd put my feelings of nostalgia and the things that trigger it for me it's always smell without a doubt it's always a smell that gets me and yeah. and for me walking onto the street walking into Kaufman Studios where we film Sesame Street it's that coffee mixed with I don't know puppet fur or something the two things come together when I walk into that studio and I go right I know where I am and I feel very at ease there I feel very comfortable there so I think nostalgia for me is yeah a feeling of safety definitely uh, you were saying yeah, off and you're yeah. question down below so people can reach in for you yes, yes definitely definitely so great. jack thank cool. you so much for taking the time to do this this is really fun yeah. yes uh, for thank you very much for doing it and thank you so much you know for what you've done to be a part of our lives and keep up the great work for and you know and cannot wait for what's next what's next in store for you jay chris matt thank you for having me i really appreciate yes. it thanks yes. for getting me on of course absolutely it's been a pleasure keep in touch and i'll email you when this goes up i'd appreciate that yeah Absolutely. And are you gonna I'm gonna become more social on the media and then I can follow you guys as well. Oh nice. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, thank you guys. All the best. All right, enjoy you, the rest you of your too. day, Jack. You too, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. Take care. Yeah, you too. You too. Thank you. Yeah. Bye, Jack. Bye. Oh, hang on. I just turned my camera off. <laughs> there you go. That's goodbye from us as well. Yep. Yeah. Yes, indeed. We have uh, absolutely enjoyed our time with Jack Jameson. Uh, very, very cool. Uh, really great. Stay tuned for more interviews coming up. Uh, we do have a lot of really good ones coming up. Oh, yeah. Um, I will say our next episode is going to be really good. So please stay tuned for that and future episodes to come. Uh, get notifications if you're on the video version. Subscribe to our YouTube page. If you're on audio, follow us. Or if you want to go, or if you're gonna want want to go watch the video version, that's fine too because it's the same yes. thing, but just yes, with our same. adorable faces. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah send when people show stuff too. It's always good to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like like Jack's Emmy, like Jack's Emmy in the background. You'll see that and mm -hmm. a whole bunch of other stuff. But yeah. until next time, thank you folks for joining us. This concludes another episode of Jake's Happy. Scott, the show we episode enjoyed our time with Jack Jameson, and until next time, Jakey, take us out. What do we say? Keep nostalgia alive. No, thanks for joining us. Keep nostalgia alive. See you next time, folks. Yes. Nostalgia alive. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another wonderful Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show interview. Be sure to follow Jake and the crew on social media and stream the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And as always, remember to keep nostalgia alive. Bye-bye.